you are one that likes to follow the hymn book and sing along, that one may have confused you because the tune in our hymn book, number 409, is different than the tune we sang. Uh, a lot of times the hymns are set to uh, different tunes. That one is set to Ebenezer, is what it's called. And uh, so that's one of the differences, but I like that old, old English kind of sound there. We are looking in Proverbs chapter 24 for our key verse on the screen there, 24, 26. And it says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And I, you know, when we think of that, we understand what our initial mind goes to that uh, kiss normally is pleasant and sweet and we enjoy it. We like to have them uh, when they're appropriate and when they're good. But as my mind tends to do, I wandered and started thinking that there are a lot of different kinds of kisses and that's part of what we're going to talk about today. But today is, this Sunday is the day before Valentine's Day. It's a day we celebrate the love of our life it's often celebrated with cards, flowers, candy, dinner out, kisses of affection. And if we're sensitive to others, and as we should be, we realize February 14th is not a great holiday for everyone. Some haven't found the love of their life, while others are missing one that they have loved. And so it can be a bittersweet holiday. It, we understand that and, and, and we celebrate the love that we have in our life that hopefully all of us have experienced. Love is a cherished human emotion. We're blessed to have the love of God who loves us so much that he left the realms of glory to live for a while among us. He experienced death for sins that were not his own. We can all know that love personally and experientially. And men, I'm going to kind of apologize for throwing us under the bus a little bit here. But you know, if we'll be honest, we have to admit that we men can be a little dense about matters of love. Sometimes, we, you know, we just don't get it. And, 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 you know, I've managed to avoid some of the big no-no's. As far as my memory goes, I've never given Sue a vacuum cleaner for her birthday or, or Christmas, or I've never blessed her with a bunch of pots and pans so she could cook easier for me. I, I don't think I have, but I've, I've made some snafus. But we can be a little dense, and I wanna, I'll, I'll be transparent here and share with you a story to illustrate what I'm talking about. Sue and I met while we were both in college in Atlanta. We were attending First Baptist Atlanta, and we'd had several dates. They were going well. We were enjoying each other's company. And so one night, as I took her home, Sue, of course, you know, she's a few inches shorter than me, so she stood on the stoop. I stood on the sidewalk in front of her. We talked a little bit, not wanting to end the night, but finally uh, we had to, had to do that. So. I said, I had a good time tonight, Susan, and I leaned forward and lightly kissed her on the forehead. She looked at me demurely and sweetly, 
He said, could you do that a little lower? <laughs> I responded, I had a good time tonight, Susan. It's like I said, sometimes we're kind of dense, you know, and it takes us a while, and, and you ladies have to help us along. Fortunately, she hadn't given up on me, and we've had wonderful times. I was thinking with dating and everything that we've known, we've known each other getting close to 50 years. Some of you have known each other longer than that and been married longer than that. Neil and Mabel, how many years have y'all got a marriage? Sixty-three. Wow, isn't that? Yeah. Douglas, what about you and Susan? Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Very good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What about the O'Nans back there? Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Okay. David, you and Nancy. Fifty-six. Fifty-six. All right. Yeah. So y'all have been blessed to have your, your loved one by your side. And, and, uh, and again, we are sensitive for those who miss the ones. They've already gone on. But uh, many cherished years and great to have. It's great to have a help meet, which is what the Hebrew stands for. But I'm going to get on with our sermon now. I just did want to you know, get that caveat in there that we men can be a little slow sometimes. The Bible talks of kisses. And in our verse today, it refers to kisses. It makes them like a common with an honest answer. Saying an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And as I said, I've thought about there are different kinds of kisses. I mean, there are hard kisses when there's too much pressure. And, and probably one of you ladies ought to preach this, not me. Uh, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll manage on. There are those hard kisses that just put too much pressure. There are light kisses you can barely feel and don't really know that you've gotten one. <laughs> there are passionate kisses that make one swoon. There are near kisses, as in this, my story, that miss the mark, and there are no kisses. Finally, there are sloppy kisses. Those sloppy kisses are the, are the best thought of as a kiss of a child. A lot of times a child is learning how to kiss. They've seen that. They're responding. They want to give you the kiss, and they come at you with mouth open, peanut butter, oatmeal, whatever's on their face. And, and uh, it's, it's one we grimace and we bear because it's sweet to receive the kiss of a child. We know it's from a pure love. We know it's something they're desiring to do. But that's, that's the sloppy kiss there. Each of these kisses apply to our scripture today. Before I continue in that thought, let me acknowledge honesty is important to us. Honesty is, is very important. At least it's important that we receive honesty from others. Sometimes we're guilty of fudging on our part, but everybody else should be scrupulously honest. Honesty is valued in poll after poll when people are surveyed about what they want to see in leaders, honesty ranks right at the top. That is one thing we desire. Give us a straight answer. Be honest with us. We want that. Christians certainly should be honest people. As we follow the path set by our Lord and Savior, honesty is an exampled trait. Jesus, of course, never sinned, never lied. 
He spoke the truth. He did it in love, but not all the time was it really pleasant. He spoke very directly to people who were sinning and uh, uh, being oppressive to other people and being false in their religion where they were acting religion, but they didn't really have a heart for it. Jesus always spoke in love and he spoke honestly. Sometimes we soften the answer, but there are times when a direct, honest answer is necessary and required. On the other end of the spectrum is an answer that is light on honesty. Because we want to spare another's feelings or because we just wimp out. Oftentimes, fearing rejection, we may not give a full answer. We may be incomplete or insufficient just because we're afraid of the repercussions of being honest. It's human, human nature. Too often our answer isn't quite honest. It's not a bald-faced lie, but it isn't really how we think or feel. There are also the absent honest answers where we say nothing at all. We have our reasons, sometimes from good motives that we don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. So like mama said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But regardless of the reason, when we give a near miss answer to a question or an answer not at all, on the receiving end, we can feel deprived or cheated and we can lose trust in the other person when we're seeking a response and we know it's given half-heartedly or not at all or isn't really true of what they're thinking or feeling. A lot of times we know we're not going to like the answer, but we still want to hear the truth. We want to know the truth. And finally, there are those sloppy answers. There's that sloppy honesty. We'll speak out. Sometimes we blurt it out. Sometimes very impulsively we'll give an answer and it's it's not well formed or it's not at the right time and, and we blurt it out and it, it can cause tension and struggles there. There is an art to giving an honest answer appropriately. Very often it's the timing. Honest answers given, we should value them. Yes, we can get angry when we first hear it. It can upset us. It can come against us. That's not what we want to hear. It's not what I want to know. But if we know the person's heart, we know they're wanting to be a help. We know they're wanting a good relationship. And so their honesty, while hard to take, can help us to grow. It, that's a wonderful trait if we can find that in a life partner and our spouse who will be willing to point out things that we need, like the right way to kiss a little lower. Answers, whether they're hard or sloppy or sweetly given, we ought to appreciate the honesty. We ought to give some latitude that someone cares enough to tell us the straight dope, to tell us the straight word. Often an honest answer needs to be, you messed up. Or, I know you think you know what you're doing, but you're slacking. I know you're trying, but you're not doing enough. I know you need to practice a little more. Those kind of answers are the things we need to hear. 
You know, I, I wrote a little blurb on Facebook one time asking if you have a no man. And I countered that by, we often like a yes man. We like people around us to say, man, you're great. You're doing great. You're wonderful. Everything you do, you touch. We enjoy that. But you know, very often that doesn't help us grow. And there, I, I think about, I'm certainly not there, but I think about uh, these athletes and actors who have people around them and, and all they do all day is tell them how wonderful they are and how great they're doing. And it's easy to get an inflated ego when everybody's telling you everything you do is perfect. But eventually, truth kind of comes crashing in. You realize that Perhaps they were telling you all those yeses, all those compliments, because it helped them get a payroll, or it helped them get what they wanted. In other words, people flatter, people tell us things in order for their benefit, not for our benefit. And so while we may like a yes person, a person that's, that's encouraging, and we need encouragement in our lives, we need people rooting us on, but we also need a no person to say, you're not thinking well. You hadn't thought that through. You hadn't really applied yourself. There's a book that my mom really liked that she insisted that I read. And it was about learning from failure. How Children Learn is the title of the book. And the book made the, made the argument that we learn from our failures. And we know that in life. We know that by trying and failing, we learn what doesn't work. And Einstein, uh, not Einstein, uh, Addison is reported on doing the light bulb that he, that he created. He had a thousand failures before that of the wrong, the wrong filament, the wrong amount of electricity, the wrong, and he finally latched upon it. As I watch the athletes in the Olympics and they just perform flawlessly most of the time, their routines, I wonder how many times did they fall? How many times did they not execute it? We don't see that, but the, all of that was necessary for them to be able to perform what appears to us like perfection. Recently, I heard somebody talking about Shaquille O'Neal, one of the great basketball players that in a particular season, he had made 946 shots and made 146 of them. All of us consider him a great uh, example of expertise in basketball, but he, he didn't make a thousand of them, he didn't make all of them. In baseball, a, a, a score of 300 is a pretty good batting average. 500, you're excellent. And so all of these, we need those times of, of failing because that's usually where we learn is what not to do. But the Bible also addresses those who give us answers we like to hear but are false. And that's our t scripture in the bulletin today. They do this because building us up, flattering us is to their benefit. Proverbs 27, 6 says the kisses of an enemy may be profuse, profuse. In other words, they just pour out flattery, good compliments, just lay them out on you. And when we all like hearing that, we all enjoy that. It's, it's, 
it's good, but the trouble is it's to their benefit. And the verse goes on, however, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend is interested in our benefit, in our growth, in our progress. And so they are willing to say, you messed up. They are willing to say, you need to think about this a little more because it's going to help us do better. And, and a good friend says that in private, you know, and growing up in managerial type jobs. I really believed in the adage to praise in public and criticize in private. You don't run anybody down in front of other people. You may get them in the office and, and as I like to say, we'll have a prayer meeting about what's going on. We'll talk about the air, but not in front of others, not to demean them, not to humiliate them. If that's the purpose, then it's not the correct type of, of correction or leadership. Praise in public and criticize in private. And a friend will do that for us. They'll wait till a moment that we're just the two driving down a road or having some coffee. So I wanted to talk to you about something last week. I wanted to talk to you about the work you did, uh, if it's an employer to an employee. You know, you didn't really quite follow the instructions and, and we lost a lot of money because you didn't do it right. Those kind of things are necessary to help us grow, to help us become more and more. And again, Jesus is willing to do that. And so the enemies in that verse, profuse are the kisses of an enemy, to that end, they tell us what we want to hear for their benefit to elevate them. But a friend, a true friend, tells us what we need to hear in order for us to grow. And we can appreciate that because they're taking a chance. They don't know how we'll respond and we'll probably respond angrily. We may even not speak to them for a while. But if we are wise and if we think about it, we'll come back because will understand their heart is for our benefit. Their heart is to see us succeed. So certainly initially we're angered or hurt, but if we'll consider the comments fairly and with maturity, we'll realize that true intent. Kisses can be pleasant to receive. They can be hard or sloppy. And the intent of the one giving the kiss is the deciding factor. An honest answer is welcomed, even if it's hard, even if it's sloppily given, even if it's light, maybe. It depends on the attitude of the one giving it. As Christians, we should all strive to give honest answers in what we do. We should, we should strive to be gentle and considerate in our answers. A lot of times that comes, again, to doing it at the right time. So often if, if we give an answer in the heat of a moment, it comes out rough, rougher than it needs to be. If we'll wait until a proper time, usually the other person is more receptive and we're calmer. This applies to our children as well, not to act out of anger or frustration, but to wait until we're calm. That's the adage, count to 10. An honest answer, like a kiss, has an appropriate time. 
So let's find the right time, give the right answer. But the worst answer, the worst honest answer is one that's never given. It's frustrating when you ask something and the people don't respond. A couple of scriptures to close with, and it goes along with the song that uh, the choir sang today from 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4, reminding us what love is. This is from what's called the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's a hard one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. When we live within the love that Jesus Christ has taught us, when we act in that kind of love towards others, it builds up. Even if it is a hard truth for the moment, it's building up that person. We are expected to love. John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, not a suggestion, not something he thinks we ought to do, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's a very high bar, isn't it? When we think about what Jesus did for us, that he was residing in heaven with God, no sin around, no darkness like that. And he left that to come down to endure life as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And then once he started his ministry to take on the rejection and the abuse he was given, and then finally the crucifixion on the cross. Total sacrifice for the other. And he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples when, as you love one another. And then we can go back, okay, so what is that Jesus? Paul explained it there in what we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Being patient, being kind, not holding wrongs against each other allowing each other to make a mistake and grow from it, to be patient and kind. Those are the things that Jesus has given us and we think about on this day in Valentine. Sometimes our honest answers don't come out well, but we need to give them. We need to be honest in what we say. We need to do that in love and in kindness towards each other. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Father, it's hard for, there's no way I can imagine, Lord, 
Before you came to earth, you were in heaven, and while you were aware of sin, it wasn't around you. You were in a perfect place. You didn't have to endure evil day by day. You're fully aware of it, but you didn't walk amongst it until you became human. And you experienced as a human the corruption of mankind. You experienced as a human the abuse, the oppression, the slander, the libel. And finally, Lord, you experienced the physical abuse. You experienced the false accusation. You experienced the whip of nine tails as you were wrongly accused and punished for that. You experienced your people that you had chosen calling out to Pontius Pilate, crucify him, give us Barabbas, give us the thief, but crucify Jesus. Lord, as you were on that cross, all of sins of mankind, past, present, and future, you took upon yourself you who had committed no sin took the sins of all mankind. Father, my mind, Jesus, my mind cannot comprehend the depth of love it took for you to do that. But I thank you for it. I thank you for making me and many and all here aware of your love. Lord, I thank you that you've worked in our lives and you're telling some even now that may not know you personally of the love you have for them, of the forgiveness you extend, of the acceptance for who they are you receive, and how you'll share with them honestly and deeply so that they can be all that they can be. Father, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend, and you did that for us and you consider us your friend. Father, help us, one, to fully grasp the depth of your love so that it may help us to love others patiently, kindly, honesty, with all integrity. Thank you again for Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we gather and pray. Amen.